0: Well, hello there. It is great to see you again and welcome back to the latest installment of Path to Abundant Living. I'm your host and moderator Ryan Ruff. We've got the stars of our show in Mr. Matt Norman and Scott Morrison of Morrison Norman and Associates. They'll be joining me momentarily for another wealth management related discussion. Uh, But look, first and foremost, I want to kind of set the scene as to what it is that we're going to be diving into today. Obviously, you know, if you're a frequent listener of our show, you know, we cover a different wealth management related strategy. These are the, the, you know, the tips and the tricks as well as the conversations that Matt and Scott are having with their clients on a regular, basis. We want to bring them here to you in this show so that you can benefit from some of the information as well and help put you on that same path to abundant living. Today, what we're diving into is this idea of, hey, it's time to review that trust, you know, with just so many changes going on in our world, both socioeconomically, politically, just so many changes out there. Maybe your family already has a trust in place. Well, maybe it is time to review that trust to make sure that your you know your current goals and aspirations and maybe they, they've even shifted over the last few years are still in line with what your current trust has already sized up. So today, what we're going to be doing is examining a few different tips and strategies on how to size up the current status of your trust and then decide or determine rather whether that's still on track to meet those goals and needs for your financial portfolio. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring the guys out to get today's conversation rocking and rolling. Scott, Matt, good to see you guys. How are we doing this morning?
1: Great to see you, Ryan. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. Hey, can't complain
0: at all. Uh, excited that you guys are aboard with this. Um, I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's dive in. And, and I think uh, to, as usual, our best way to get things going is kind of with a little bit more of a high level conversation to kind of ease our way into things. Scott, I'll throw this first one over to you. Many people tend to set up trusts for themselves or their families. But you say that setting up a trust and, you know, just getting it going isn't the only step, correct? There's there's more to it than just that, right?
2: Yes, Ryan. There's a good chance that you have one or more trusts already set up, and uh, of course, if you don't, you, you know, you may choose to do some uh, do so at some point in the in the near future. Uh, and of course, there's many uh, available trust options out there, from charitable trusts marital trusts, uh, which means you could identify with at least one of them uh, that makes sense for your particular financial situation. Uh, but here's the thing: uh, if you haven't reviewed your trust recently. And assess whether you're still on track to deliver the results that you want, then you know, you could be putting some of those future financial plans at risk.
0: Sure, guys. So so Matt, why might a trust that you have in place no longer be positioned to do what it is that you want it to do?
1: You said it in the in the intro, Ryan, one word change whether it's change in tax laws, change in the financial markets, change in your life, you know, if you think about your own life has anything changed in the last 5 years and and some people might say, "Oh, nothing's changed in my life." Well, there are other areas that that can possibly change that would affect the plans that you have in place. And so you want to be careful and make sure that, you know, what you put in place that is ideally positioned for you. And so you think back to 2017. They were major tax law changes that went into place. And so even if you set up your trust, even just a few years ago, it's worth reviewing. And if it's been five or 10 years, it's definitely time to review. Sure thing. So guys,
0: uh, you know, given this, this idea that it is time to review, it's the really the theme of our show today. Scott, take us through this. Where do we start with this process? If we want to review, make sure that our existing trust is up to snuff.
2: Well, there tends to be some mistakes and issues that come up more frequently than others, of course. So, you know, before you go looking for the weird and the obscure one-off situations, make sure you have the basics covered first. Uh, For example, uh, if you have a living trust or a revocable trust, we're going to recommend that you focus, you know, first on those things that have the biggest impact and uh, make sure that they're set up the way that you want them to be. Most people name themselves as trustee of their revocable trust and their spouse as a co-trustee. That, that's very common and makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, however, it can be tricky when you start to name successor trustees and you don't review those decisions periodically. Uh, you know, with time comes older children, older heirs, uh, changes in their life. So uh, oftentimes we don't typically think beyond our, our spouse as the co-trustee and so you know it's 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 a heavy responsibility uh, to be a successor trustee, and you need to make sure you've selected them properly. Um, I guess the worst example would be, uh, for example, if one of the trustees uh, you know slipped into an alcoholism problem or or a, a divorce situation, and so you need to you know you need to ask yourself whether or not uh, they're still uh, in the proper frame of mind to be a trustee. Uh, so we also want to make sure that. Uh, you know, you review the successor steps in their roles. I mean, what are gonna be the triggers uh, by which they become a trustee? When, is it gonna be when you and your spouse can't act as the trustee yourself? Or is it gonna be when you're or incapacitated? You need to have a really good understanding of what are the triggers that, that uh, put that responsibility on the successor trustee? And then I think there's always that question about how well your trust protects you from lawsuits, uh, divorce and other problems. Uh, Is your trust going to, is it set up to protect your children and your grandchildren uh, from creditors and divorces as well? Because if the trust was set up prior to them being engaged or married, uh, there's probably a new variable in there that you hadn't accounted for when you first did the trust. So uh, you need to answer, you know, whether those things uh, are still uh, taken care of in your trust or whether or not it needs to be amended.
0: Roger, that's got it. And Matt, you know, do you have anything to maybe add on to that? Any other areas maybe that that a trust, uh, you know, as they should be looking at their trust that people maybe often overlook, you know, on areas of the trust that need to be updated as their lives change? Any other thoughts on that?
1: Oh, definitely. One of the biggest areas that you see is is when and at what age will your heirs receive the assets from your trust? And so, for example, it's like, okay, maybe you set up a trust you know you you start to have kids and it's like oh we need to set up a trust and and you would said well what is the benchmark age for when they would receive those assets maybe it's it's 21 or 25 years of age well if they're still younger than that kind of what's the path that they're on so maybe it's you know unfortunately which we see is maybe maybe your your heirs are having maybe it's some issues with drugs or alcohol, or it'd be kind of heading down that path where if they were to receive those assets, it could make things even worse. Or conversely, what if, you know, they're showing some really good financial savvy and and some knowledge and and maybe the, the assets, if they were to receive them earlier, they could really help um, jumpstart them along that path. And so, for example, you know, personally, we, we set up our trust for our kids. We have two kids and they're 18 and 22. And, and initially the, it was, okay, here at, at 25, you'll get 20% of the assets if something were to happen to myself and my wife. And then at 30, 30% more. And then at once they're age 35, again, with some other caveats in there. Well, again, if your kids are younger than that, or maybe things have changed in your life or changed in their lives. And so you really want to make sure that you've looked at when the assets, whether it's your kids or your grandkids and kind of what it is that you want to achieve to make sure that they are prepared for it when the time comes.
0: No, makes makes total sense, Matt. And, and so, guys, we've hit a handful of different considerations uh, for, you know, that somebody should be thinking about when they're going through reviewing their trust, making sure that it, it is still up to date. Let's talk about a mistake here. Scott, do you guys ever find that there's maybe one really big mistake that you see people overlooking uh, or, or making really with the trust that they have?
2: Uh, we do, and it's one that you know it, it's 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 really weird that when you think about how much effort it takes to sit down with an attorney and really hammer out all of the things that you'd le- like to be part of a trust, and so obviously that process can be something that is is very taxing, both emotionally and just from from a time uh, element. Uh, but far too often, the trusts that are set up are never actually funded. And so it means that once that trust is in place, you actually need to go through the, the tedious process of the paperwork and the retitling and the beneficiary change forms to actually fund that trust. Uh, for example, if you if you have a home and you don't name the trust as the owner, uh, then then the home is not in the is not uh, funding the trust. If you don't have if you have a joint uh, investment with your spouse where there was named beneficiaries, for example, uh, well. Those, those, uh, that trust or that, that joint account is no longer, uh, is accurately, uh, you know, descriptive in terms of what you want to have happen, uh, in terms of the heirs receiving those assets, and that's why you went through the process of creating the trust in the first place. So, you're going to need to probably change the uh, the registration of that joint account to a trust account. So, it's it's really that. You know, making sure that once you have the trust in place that you're funding it uh, and retitling the things as you need to. Any review should also answer the question, you know, is my trust properly funded and has evidence that you've done that. So if, if I were sitting down with a client or with an attorney and they say, yes, my, my trust is, is, is uh, funded properly, you'd want to really make sure you see the documentation that kind of proves that. Uh, because otherwise, you know it, it it's it's a a trust document that doesn't really have any legs., uh, so you want to make sure that that's a that that you go through that process. it's it's a simple process to fix once you've identified some of those things, uh, but it's really crucial in making sure that the trust does what you want it to do.
0: Yeah, and it comes back to that idea of just knowing is half the battle, asking the right questions, making sure you're on top of your stuff and and having the right conversations. Uh, speaking of which, Matt, once you've done this review of your trust and you've got an idea that these basic issues are buttoned up and taken care of, are you good to go or is there a next step, a, a deeper level that you need to dive into to make sure things are, are really where you want them to be? How, how does that work?
1: We believe the answer is yes, definitely. You know, what happens is is you kind of dig into those trust documents and that's that's one part of your overall plan your wealth plan and and strategy and 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 what we would say is the next step is to do a stress test you know it's playing that what if game of of looking at all the areas not only your trust but what about your assets and the way that they're positioned and and different things and there's when you're when you're playing it's not playing it's it's your life so when, when you're looking at and, and running the stress test to say, okay, is everything that we have put in place going to achieve all that's most important to us? And so there's two main areas that that we look at, that you look at opportunities and threats. And so opportunities might be, okay, we have these assets positioned, so some financial assets are positioned in a certain way, but you know what? By looking at them and diving deep, like you were talking about, Ryan, once you dive deeper it's like you know what if we reposition a few of these assets we could possibly get a better return without taking any significant risk and maybe that's going to achieve the goal that you're trying to achieve or maybe there's some tax harvesting that can help you financially and save you thousands and thousands of dollars now on the flip side when you look at threats which again it's it's not common but you know maybe there was something that was put in place years ago that you know what, it has now turned into a threat based on tax law changes or changes in your life or politically or whatever the case may be that, you know what, this could blow up and it could severely harm your future and your family's future and all the plans that you have put in place. So you want to really dive deep in all the different areas associated with your plan and and take a really hard look at it.
0: Roger that. And, and, you know, guys, for our audience's benefit, you know, the the stress test. I mean, this is something that we have hammered home on episodes uh, in fact, we did a whole overview. I want to say it may have even been our inaugural episode on this show was a, a deep dive on what the stress test is, the different angles to approach it, how it can be used for everybody. So if, if this concept that Matt's bringing up about a stress test is a little new to you, then I'd recommend circling back, checking out. Uh, it might be our inaugural episode uh, where we do that stress testing overview as to what all goes into that process, because I hear you, Matt. Yes, that can be a beneficial stepping stone in this process. But let's let's now tie the two together. Scott, hypothetically, what might a stress test uncover or reveal about someone's trust when when looking at it through this lens?
2: Well, the trust, uh, the the, the stress test can obviously make a a good trust even better by, uh, let's say the example would be, let's say you purchased uh, two homes in other states uh, from the last time that you actually had created your trust or had it amended. Uh, by tying the two new residences into the trust, you might be able to avoid, let's say two different rounds of probate and the excessive costs, of course, of, that would be associated with probate. If you didn't tie those two residences into your trust, uh, you or your heirs could find yourself being probated in three different states down the road. So it's just one of those kind of, and, and I can speak to that myself, uh, you know, we, we recently purchased a vacation home that, uh, you know, before, it, it wasn't part of the trust to begin with. So it made it necessary, it was a trigger for us to revisit what the trust is, uh, what the trust document has and making sure the ownership is the way we want it to be. Uh, from another personal experience, I think that the one thing that a stress test will uncover the most, at least from what I've seen from my experience, is when some of the older trusts don't have what's called a see-through provision. And uh, I'll give you an example where if you have an IRA and you've named your your trust as the primary beneficiary. Well, the trustee is is bound to uh, exercise what, you know as the executor, exercise what the trust is telling it to do. And if the trust says, hey, it has to be spilled out to the heirs, well, what you might be, uh, without that see-through provision, what you might be keeping that beneficiary from being able to do is maintain the tax deferral of that IRA. If they have to cash it in, it might be causing a sizable... Uh, taxable event and uh, means they're forfeiting the option to inherit the, the IRA as it is and, and future any uh, future tax deferral as a result. So just having something like uh, you know that that see-through provision added uh, amended uh, is, is something that I see routinely as we review older trusts. Uh, a simple trust test, a simple stress test would reveal that very easily because you'd simply say, well, what would happen in the event of a death? Here's what the trust currently says. Is this what your heirs would want? And of course, the answer oftentimes is no.
0: Sure. And Scott, I appreciate you sharing some of your personal experiences with that. It's always helpful. Uh, you know, anytime we're able to dive into our own personal experiences with things, but uh, real quick question for you guys then and this is kind of circling back to just conversations that we've had on prior episodes is this idea that you and your team over at Morrison Norman Associates you guys work with a network of professionals you know uh what to tax attorneys to uh you know property and casualty insurance specialists all these different people that you have within your network uh so that you can provide you know the best services you can for your clients that being said i would imagine this process is something that would also be done you know, hand in hand with another professional. Could you maybe, am I correct in saying that, you know, going through the trust in this process, Matt, would you, would you work alongside, you know, um, you know, another, another team of professionals?
1: Yes, Ryan, definitely. And so if you have that team in place, that, that expert team that are really knowledgeable and technically sound with, with everything that they recommend, whether it's for you or other clients or whatever, definitely. And so, You wanna work with an expert team with the financial advisor, the estate and trust planning attorney, uh, like you said, the PNC agency, uh, an accountant, all the different areas that will affect your life and make sure that they are experts in in their area and, and really knowledgeable. But that's just one side of it. The other side is you want them to understand you and what it is that you and your family are trying to achieve. And, and then marry the two of those together because you get to decide, do you want a, a kind of a simple canned approach to it where it's this boilerplate, you know, fill in the blank? Or would you rather have a customized comprehensive plan uh, from all those professionals that are those high level trusted advisor experts that know you and, and what it is that you're trying to achieve and then, and then bring those together? to, to benefit you and your family.
0: Fantastic guys. Uh, so I look, Hey, we've thrown a lot of information at our audience today in terms of reviewing that trust they may already have set up, uh, for anybody out there that, you know, this conversation is really resonating with them and maybe they're interested in chatting with you or somebody at your team or on your team a little further about it, uh, just as to how, you know, their own trust that they've got set up might, you know, might benefit from putting it under a you know a microscope uh, with you and your team. How should they best go about reaching out to you guys t- to get that you know that conversation started and get that ball rolling?
1: It's a great question, Ryan. I'll field this one, Scott. All uh, right. So the the quote unquote traditional or old school way, pick up the phone and call our office 517-333-7967. Or if you go to our website, MorrisonNordman.com. nordman.com on there you can um click on a link that will you know i request more information and sends an email to us and then we'll reach out to you and and find out how it is that that we can help
0: Awesome. Well, guys, hey, I appreciate you carving some time out of your day uh, to, you know, to be with us on the show, to dive into this idea of reviewing the trust. And uh, I know we've got some great conversations dialed up for some episodes to come and I'm I'm looking forward to having you guys back on and, and getting into those soon.
1: Looking forward to it, Ryan.
0: Thank you, Ryan. Alrighty, guys. Well, hey, thanks again. And look, we want to take one final moment. As always, thank you, our audience, for jumping aboard and being with us on the conversation today. Uh, if Hey, if you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard, maybe you benefited from some of the conversation today, do us a favor, comment on the show, subscribe to it on whichever platform you're checking us out on, and then share this information, right, with friends, family, business owners, anybody that you think would benefit from these types of conversations. You know, at the end of the day, we're ultimately just bringing these same strategies strategies, tips, solutions, conversations that Matt and Scott are having with their team in the office of Morrison Nordman and Associates right here onto this show. You know, we're talking, we're having those same conversations and we've got some great topics queued up for future episodes to come and we'd hate to have you miss out on any of those potentially beneficial conversations that could put you and yours on that path to abundant living. So for Matt and Scott, I'm Ryan Ruff. We'll go ahead and say so long today, but we appreciate you one last time for being with us on today's installment of Path to Abundant Living. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors. Morrison, Norman & Associates and Securities America are separate entities. All investing involves risk, including the possible risk of principal.